Praise the Lord. Welcome to the Bible study this morning. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad you've tuned in whenever it might be that you found us online. <coughs> Excuse me. We're <coughs> located here at 610 Highway 59 in Queen City, Texas, about 20 miles south of Texarkana. If you're looking for a church where there's the fellowship and communion in the blood of Jesus. The focus is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, a people who are full of the Holy Ghost, not trying to put a show on for everybody with that gift, but allow that gift to train us and use us for the work of the ministry. Praise God. Again, our service times are at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 6.40 p.m. Wednesday evenings. We have an hour of prayer on Monday night. We have a nursery children's church. Uh, young people, teens class on Wednesday night. So uh, gather. If you come to Crossway Church, you will be gathering with the people that gather in the name of Jesus. They gather together for the striving together of the fellowship of the gospel. Hallelujah. So uh, we're excited about what the Lord is doing in these last few moments and, uh, of, of time and uh, they call the fullness of the times of the Gentiles that I will say a little something else about uh, this morning. But we're just excited to, to, to be sharing God's Word with you. And in the morning at 9 a.m., I'll be back in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So uh, tune in live if you can or watch it later whenever you can. And we'll just be asking the Lord to put the meat on the table that we might grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Not some rules and regulations of men and denominational things of men, but the word of the living God kept in the context of the simplicity of of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So here we are today in Hebrews chapter 1. This is part 9 on the 21st day of January 2021. And in verse 6 the Bible here says, And again, when he brings in the first begotten, the firstborn, into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. Now, we need to understand that the Lord is the one who brought in his son. The Lord, uh, you know, and this is scripture prophesied so long ago and yet manifest in the very birth of Christ to, as he is, con, as Mary the virgin conceives by the Holy Spirit, not the reproduction system of men and women having children, but look when God brought in the firstborn. And Jesus is the firstborn from the dead that will never die again. Several people had been raised from the dead, but they died again. Jesus is the first begotten, the firstborn from the dead of a whole new creation. Praise God. <laughs> We're happy to be in the new creation of Christ, to be a new creation of Christ. He's the firstborn from the dead that will never die again. And that's why he told you and I and all who believe and trust in him that we will also never die. Praise God for that. And let all the angels of God worship him. Angels don't worship angels. Angels worship God. Amen. And the firstborn, the first begotten, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, when He comes into the world. And remember here we see that God brought Him into the world. Galatians 4.4 4 tells us that in the fullness of time, 
God brought forth his son. Watch this now, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. He sent him. Amen. He didn't create him. He was already with God. He sent him, made of a woman, made under the law. And it's, and it's again, he says, again, when he brings in the first begotten, the firstborn, when he brings him in to this, this period of what we call time. And this is so interesting to me, very, very interesting to me. As of recently, the Lord has shown me something you probably all already knew, but he brought it to my attention. And that is when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, before they'd sinned, there was no end to that. They'd still be here today if they had not disobeyed God and there would not be an end. There wouldn't be anything called the end of these time periods and, and, and dispensations, it would have just been freedom and liberty to eat of all the trees in the garden and, 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 and multiplying and filling the earth. But the moment Adam and Eve sinned, God said, that's it. This will be limited. This, this will be the end of this way down here. A 7,000 year period. So, when he, in this plan, in this period of time that will, the Bible says, come to an end after the 1,000 year reign of Christ with his believers, priests and kings reigning with him under his great high priestly role at the end of the last 1,000 year period, a new heavens and a new earth will be created. So there was a point in time God sent forth his son, God brought his son, his first begotten, into the world. He was, he was the seed, the incorruptible seed of God, the living word of God who is God. He, he did not get created by God. He is God the son and he was placed in the womb of Mary without Joseph being involved. We know that. The Bible tells us that. But time is about to run out. Watch this, Luke 21 and 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword. And this is talking about the end, the very end of the end, the great tribulation. And shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the fullness of the times be fulfilled. This is talking about the last days. The last days. And, and, and notice this phrase, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. We are living in the times of the Gentiles that began when Israel rejected Christ. God cut them off. They cut themselves off in all reality. And God turned his attention to the Gentiles. He sent Paul to the Gentiles. And we Gentiles have been born again, graft in, Romans 11 says, through Israel's unbelief. Through their unbelief, God reached for everyone. It was his plan all, all along. In the old covenant, God says he's going to save the Gentiles, that Christ would be a light even to us Gentiles. But first, Israel had to reject him. And because of that, through that, we've been grafting in, praise God. But there was a time that happened. There was a time that this age will close and Christ will begin to reign. You, you need to wake up to the reality that that day is at hand. 
That moment, at any moment, we may not finish this Bible study, that moment, that, that time period is about to close and you and I need to be ready. Please don't be listening to me thinking, well, all this has got to happen and that's got to happen. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, and I'm not going to get into it, but I, I believe the rapture is going to take place either right now up through 2023. I believe that. I believe that based on what I've seen, I've heard. And if it doesn't, well, I'll be expecting him in 2024. And if he doesn't come then, I'll be expecting him in 2025. Listen, if the Lord Jesus Christ does not come back today, I'll wake up tomorrow expecting his return for me, his coming to take me home. I'm living that way. I hope you will join with that anticipation. You will join me in that anticipation expecting him, praying to the Father in his name, laying up treasure in heaven, being involved in the functioning part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So, and again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. He's talking about God the Son. He tells the angels to worship him. Because he's God. Now watch this in verse 7. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and, and his ministers, angels again, it's not talking about preachers, a flame of fire. That, that's, that's quoted from Psalms 104 verse 4. Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers, a flaming fire. Uh, uh, preachers are not, flaming, uh, are not flame, balls of flaming fire. God is a consuming fire. He says his angels are ministers as flames of fire. That's what he tells us. His ministers are flame of fire. Watch this. Everybody say, but, verse 8, but unto the Son, he says. Now look, this is God the Father speaking unto his Son, God the Son. God's Son is God the Son. I, I can't say that enough because you'd be amazed at the thoughts out there, the opinions out there, the, the heresy out there that Jesus Christ is not the Son of the living God. He is the Son of the living God. He has always existed eternal, eternal. He's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. We're studying Melchizedek right now. If you missed last night's service, please go and listen to it. We're studying Melchizedek, who was a type and shadow of Christ. The Bible says he had no beginning, no ending. and He was symbolic of Christ. Christ, who has no beginning and no ending. There was a moment in time, look, God brought him in. God sent his son. Again, Galatians 4, 4, and here in Hebrews 1 and 6, he brought in the firstborn. So God the Father, God the Father speaks unto the Son in verse 8, and he says unto the Son, thy throne, O God. And all these, these the, the, the Holy Spirit reaches back in the Psalms and pulls out many references to, to confirm uh, uh, what the, the, the manifestation and the fullness of Christ. And let's just take a moment here as we go through the book of Hebrews, and we, we better do this seldomly and remember the, the book of Hebrews is about 
the revelation of Jesus Christ, the illumination of God's Word having always pointed to Him and His, his supremacy, His superiority, his, 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 his better than the angels, His being better than Moses. And when we say better, we don't mean just a little bit. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who is God. He was, yes, fully man, but He is also fully God. And we need to remember that. And God the Father spoke to His Son and said, Thy throne, O God. God called His Son, God, prophetically in the Psalms. He says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom. And when you look at the word scepter, it actually means the staff, the rod by which one rules, the authority. And so, and, and we need to remember that. Righteousness is so important, it's worth a study. It, because when you begin to study the avenue of God's righteousness, there will be no end to it. Proverbs 8 and 8 tells us that all God's words are in righteousness. That He, Romans 6, He made us servants of righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says he, that He made us righteous in Christ. and That He set us on a path of righteousness. That's the race we're running, a path of righteousness. That if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'll be filled. If we seek His righteousness first, He'll add everything we need to our lives. That all His judgments and all His warring, as the good soldier He is, the captain of our salvation that He is, is done in righteousness. So here we see that the, the rod, the staff he has is that of righteousness. His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. He's the righteous king. You remember, and again, we, we're studying here at Crossway Church. Uh, at, in, the mo in the moment, uh, Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ, who was a king and a priest. And as I said last night, only two men in scriptures were ever a king and a priest. That's Melchizedek and the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they were uh, things that could not be mixed. They could not be mixed. We read about Uzziah last night in the message in 2 Chronicles, and he was, he, he was a king. And he went into the temple and tried to offer uh, incense. Well, the Lord struck him with leprosy. He died with leprosy, and he got cut off and had to live all alone the rest of his life, cut off. And I mean... Uh, uh, Righteous, he was, but Melchizedek was a king of righteousness and king of peace. He, he, was, he was not only the king, he was the priest of the Most High God. And Jesus, he was symbolic of Jesus, and Jesus is our great high priest. He is our king of righteousness, king of peace. And it is forever. God's not ever going to change his mind. He's not ever going to change the priesthood again. Right now is the time you repent from your sins. You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the one who died, so you could be forgiven of your sins and come into his kingdom and become a priest and a king in his kingdom kingdom under his priesthood. Hallelujah. This is a forever priesthood. 
This righteousness that He obtained for us, that He worked for us, and He finished for us at Calvary, hallelujah. That's where righteousness was worked for by Him. That's where righteousness and peace, truth and, truth and mercy met, hallelujah. And, and you and I, when we come to God through faith in Christ and His work at Calvary, and we follow Christ each day through faith in the blood He shed for us at Calvary, then we learn uh, to understand the Holy Spirit's teaching of truth to us. And he and God the Father calls His Son God here and tells Him that His throne is a forever throne. And it is a, a, a throne that will forever rule with a rod of righteousness. That means because of what He did at Calvary. Because of what he did at Calvary, that was the righteous work that made righteous people to be able to serve a righteous God in righteousness. It's just, it's so wonderful. And I mean, even the faith that we've obtained. Peter wrote 2 Peter 1 and 1. We've, we've obtained it through the righteousness of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, meaning the work he did there at Calvary. Hallelujah. I mean, and look at verse... Nine, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And can I say to you, the more you look to the cross and how much God loves you and what he did in his son Jesus Christ at the cross to prove his love for you, the more you're going to fall in love with him, the more you're going to love righteousness, and the more you love righteousness, the more you're going to hate iniquity. And not just that that's in the world and in others, but that that tries to sneak into your heart and cause you to fall prey to it. I'm telling the more you love righteousness, the more you're going to hate iniquity. And although God's love for you can't grow every day because He is love and He's given you the fullness of who He is, but your love, my love for Him, that love He shed abroad in our heart, it can grow for Him. And when our love is growing for God. And oh, you need to hear this today. When your love is truly growing for God and it's not just feelings and emotions, your love for His righteousness is growing. Your love for that which His judgments hold, righteousness. Your love for the way He makes war in righteousness. Your love for who He is, righteous. Your love for the people of God who are the righteousness of who He is in Christ Jesus. Your love for righteousness will be increasing and your hatred for iniquity will be increasing. Let me say that again. <clears throat> our love is not really growing for God unless our love is growing for His righteousness. To see the beauty of His holiness that cannot be seen outside of seeing and loving His righteousness. You read and study Romans chapter 6, holiness is the product of righteousness. Holiness comes through no other avenue but righteousness and the fruits of righteousness come through no other avenue except through faith in Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Not going out and doing nice deeds and that being considered fruit of righteousness. I could be doing that to be seen. I could be doing that to get a position. Even if I tell myself I'm not, I could be as sincere with myself as I could possibly be and if I don't know the Scriptures, I'll be sincerely wrong. 
many people won't make it because they were sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to uh, be found uh, being lied to under the schemes of the enemy and walking away of deception that seems right, but the end of that way is death to us. We want to make sure that we're living according to the faith that comes from hearing God's word in its righteous context. Hallelujah. And that means looking at everything God has said through the blood. Again, let me throw it in. It's one of the most amazing things I've learned over the last 15 and 16 years outside of learning that to live in victory, you must keep your faith daily in the death of Jesus at Calvary. Hallelujah. When you go on beyond the cross and you leave the cross out of the op- being the object of your faith, you're in big trouble. Matter of fact, the Bible says you're dead again. Church in Sardis was told they were dead. Paul tried to start it initially living back according to the law of Guinea. He said when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. How many Christians are in that boat today? But when you come back to the cross and you maintain your faith in that one object God has given you, you're going to find victory. You're going to find the will of God being carried out in your life. And outside of that great truth, that great illumination of God's Word in my heart, Listen, this is one of the greatest things I've come to understand that God, every word God has ever spoken in Proverbs 8 and 8 tells us, God's word tells us, is in righteousness. And Romans 1, 16 and 17 tells us that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Come on now. That means everything in your Bible can only be seen properly understood properly, received properly, allow faith to come properly to carry out what faith carries out, which is the experience of grace, which is God carrying out His will in and through us, if our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. Once we move it to these things that the church is full of today, let me say that again, once we move the object of our faith to the, to the things the church is full of today. It doesn't matter if it's things the Bible tells us to be found walking in. When our faith is moved from Calvary to that which we're doing, the sin nature comes alive and death is there. What does that mean? We don't fall dead. What that means is there's no way of bearing fruit any longer. The only fruit-bearing place is through faith in the sacrifice of Christ. When we move on to other things, and of course Hebrews chapter 6 doesn't mean let us move on to other things. He means let us move on unto perfection, that which the Holy Spirit begins to give us the experience of being skillful in the word of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 5 the end of that chapter there, these Christians are called babes because they're unskillful in the word of righteousness. Think about that now. The experience of, I didn't say the the head knowledge of discerning between good and evil, the experience, the being trained in experience, the Christian life of discerning in my life, discernment for my life as to why I'm not growing. Don't want to get into all that. Go back and listen to the last couple of messages here at Crossway Church. And if you're hungry for the truth, 
God will pour it into your heart. But unto the Son, verse 8, back to the text, we'll get, we'll get on a rabbit trail and be gone for months. <laughs> unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. It's a kingdom of righteousness, my friends. The country that we're on a journey to, and this world is not it, the country that we're on a journey to, that in that country there is a city there wherein dwells righteousness. That means that's all that dwells in there. God dwells in there. God's righteous people dwell in there. The righteous fruits of God's people dwell in there. No sin dwells in there. No fleshly lust dwell there. That's where we're headed. Don't look back at where you came from. Keep looking at where you're going. Righteousness is who you are. Righteousness, if your faith remains in the cross, is the fruit you bear and the city you're headed to as you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you on this path of righteousness. You've loved righteousness. Now, now, now these scriptures here are, are going to be uh, quoted again. The writer of Hebrews, let's just say the Holy Spirit, reaches back into the book of Psalms and pulls out scriptures that Jesus, by the way, said were about him. The Psalms, the law, the prophets, Jesus said they're about him. In Luke 24, 44 through 46, Jesus said the scriptures are about him. Hallelujah. Psalms 40, 40 uh, verse uh, 7 and Hebrews 10 verse 7, the scriptures tell us that the scriptures, the volume of the book, the volume of the scriptures were written about Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus told the, the people in his day that you search the scriptures for in them you say you have life, but they're they which testify of me. The Bible is the word of God. But Jesus is the living Word of God. Do you see how every word has to be tied to Jesus somehow? The Holy Spirit, that's, that's the whole process of the Holy Spirit, who is truth, by the way, applying the written truth of God's Word to our hearts in the person, oh my goodness, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our faith has to be in. I can't say this enough either. My faith can't just be in just what's written and, and me go around and quote it and declare these things are going to happen because I read it and I'm declaring it. No, no, no. That, that's not how Christianity works. We trust in what God did in Christ at Calvary, not just to get us to heaven one day, but to give us the grace we need today. That means the will of God carried out. No matter how you slice it up, God's grace is for God's will. God's grace is is for God's will. God's grace is God, the spirit of grace at work in our lives to carry out His will. God's grace is not for my will. God's grace is not for any other thing other than God's will. Amen. We, we come across some scriptures recently. I preached it uh, in Lima, Ohio uh, this past weekend. And Psalms 111 tells us that God has made His wonderful works to be remembered. And Isaiah 65 and 17 says that the old heavens and the old earth are not going uh, to be remembered, not even going to come to mind ever again. So let me say this today, and I hope you get this. The only thing that will be remembered forever and ever in this life is what God did. What God was able to do in you, 
to you, for you, and through you. That's grace. God doing something by your faith. By grace, through faith. I hope you get that. So he, he, the, the Holy Spirit reaches back into the book of Psalms here, and this is he's going to begin to quote from Psalms 102, verses 25 through 27, and he says here, and, and he really doesn't start this, I think, till uh, verse 10, but watch this in verse 9. You have loved righteousness. Just ask, your, do you love righteousness? Can you explain righteousness? The Bible's full of that topic, and that's really what God is doing. He's saving the unrighteous to make them righteous. He's, he's, he's equipping them with His words of righteousness to, to, to conform them into the image of His righteous Son, our righteous King. He's guiding us on this path of righteousness that leads to a, a righteous city. Hallelujah. Hey, I hope you're learning to love righteousness. And let me say this again today. Your love for God is legitimate if it's a, a, a love for His righteousness. What He's made you in Christ the, the fruit He's allowed you to be able to bear. The one, the one avenue He's allowed people to serve Him in righteousness. Luke writes in chapter 1, verses 74 and 75, that because we've been delivered from the hand of the enemy, that we can now serve God without fear every day of our lives in righteousness and holiness. It's the only avenue that He's given Anybody to serve Him is in righteousness. Nobody's serving God outside of in righteousness. And we're not serving God in righteousness just because we are righteous. <laughs> when our faith moves from the, the, the simplicity of Christ and Him crucified, our fruit is no longer righteous, even though it might, we might be doing the same thing we were doing. Somebody needs to go read the, the letter uh, to the church in Sardis. They had a name that they were alive, but Jesus shows up with a letter through John and says, but you're dead. There it is. <coughs> we need to be very careful that we're not just playing head games with ourselves, but that we're learning the truth of God's Word in its righteous context and that we're growing and that we're, we're, we are being delivered from the things we've believed so falsely for so long and we're now allowing the Holy Spirit, who is truth, to guide us in the truth of who the Lord Jesus Christ is and the work He carried out for us at Calvary. That's the only avenue through which the light of God shines in our hearts and then on to the path He will guide us in. Hallelujah. It's been a great broadcast today. We'll start right here uh, with this great chapter uh, 1 and verse 9 next Monday. So join us at 8.30 a.m. Central Time every Monday and Thursday morning right here in my office, and we'll just continue this great Bible study. Don't forget to pray for us. Don't forget to sow into the ministry, and, and you will when you begin to recognize 
true ministry, when you begin to recognize when the bread and the wine is being placed on the table, I believe that when Abraham recognized true ministry in Melchizedek, he said, here, take a tenth of all I've got. And boy, that's going to be a good study. And we're about to get into that part of the Word. So don't forget to join us in the morning at 9 for our Second Timothy teaching. And, uh, and again... Don't forget to sow into the ministry. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com and you can also type the word give. You can text the word give to the number 903-231-5950. Why don't you write that number down because some of you are not going to give today but God's going to prick your heart later and you're going to say, I'm hearing the truth. I'm being taught by the Holy Spirit to look at Jesus through every word. So again, that number is 903-231-5950. Text the word GIVE and sow in to good ground. Donate to the Lord for blessing you. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you at a later time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.